Fiverr is the world's largest marketplace for digital services, offers both buyers and sellers a digitally streamlined transactional platform. If you need to buy something, sell something, or whatever you want to do on Fiverr, just go to bit.ly slash GOP Josh Fiverr today to get your gig or to put your gig on Fiverr and help support the program as well. That is bit.ly slash GOP J-O-S-H Fiverr F-I-V-E-R-R. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Americanism, not globalism, will be our credo as long as we are led by politicians who will not put America first, then we can be assured that other nations will not treat America with respect, the respect that we deserve. GOP Josh is a young conservative influence with a lot of power. You're listening to the voice of the future. Fighting for America every day. This is the conservative crusader. And here's your host, GOP Josh. Hello and welcome. This is the Conservative Crusader here on the Red Future Radio Network. Glad to be with you all today. As always, GOP Josh joining you here on our 8 o'clock hour on the Red Future Radio Network, LLP, officially formed in the state of Ohio. Very glad to be with you all today. Lizzie Marbach joins us in the second segment to talk about her spat with the Congressman uh, Max Miller from Ohio. Ohioans fighting it on Twitter is always interesting to me, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, Also, not going to really get deep into it today, um, but a couple of Trump allies in the indictment have been, in the Georgia indictment, have been arrested and booked and released. So, a couple of them being uh, Rudy Giuliani had a viral, viral mugshot. Um, There was Sidney Powell, who had a mugshot released, Jenna Ellis is a former lawyer who's now a DeSantis, DeSantisite, is now smiling in her mugshot, all happy. Whatever, Jenna. Um, President Trump's going to be booked tomorrow, and tonight is the debate between the Republican hopefuls for Secretary of Transportation. Here's a quick clip from Tucker Carlson of the thing everyone's actually going to be watching, which is the Trump versus Tucker uh, interview. On Sunday, Donald Trump announced that he will not participate in tonight's Republican candidates debate hosted by Fox News in Milwaukee. Whatever you think of Trump, he is, as of tonight, the indisputable far and away frontrunner in the Republican race. We think voters have an interest in hearing what he thinks. So when Trump approached us about having a conversation for a far larger audience than he'd receive on cable news, we happily accepted. That interview will air tonight in this space at 8.55. We hope you'll watch. And there's the new Tucker on X outro for those 
who were listening. So that is the thing everyone's going to be watching. So after you end this show, it'll be right out on Twitter or on X, the Trump-Tucker Carlson interview. Going to be one for the ages, as I don't believe Trump has ever sat down on Tucker before. So that's pretty interesting there. I'm very excited to watch it, and we'll have clips for you on Friday um, from both the Secretary of Transportation debate and the debate for or in the interview with President Trump. So Trump's decision to back out of the debate tests Fox News' ability to pivot again. This is from the Associated Press's Dan Bodner. Um, If 2023 has taught anything about people running Fox News Channel, it's the importance of being able to pivot. The decision by former President Donald Trump to skip skip Wednesday's first debate of the 2024 presidential primary season likely deprives Fox of a huge late-summer audience. Even worse for the network, Trump has talked about appearing in an online interview with Tucker Carlson at the same time that's actually happening. Um, so Fox debate moderators Brett Baer and Martha McCallum have been preparing for two events, one if he were there and one if he wasn't. Uh, Trump personalities, uh, Fox personalities urged him to attend the event. Kayleigh McEnany called it a huge political miscalculation on Monday on Fox. Eight candidates will be on the stage. Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, uh, Nikki Haley, Vivek, uh, Mike Pence, Chris Christie, Doug Burgum, and Asa Hutchinson. Who else should be on that dispa- that stage by uh, stats is Perry Johnson, the entrepreneur from Michigan, and then Larry Elder are both eligible to be on that stage according to the guidelines, and neither of them are going to be on that stage as of this point. Um, at 9 p.m. tonight on Fox and listening. Uh, radio affiliates probably are carrying it, so ask your station. But Larry's very confident, Larry Elder. We're going to play this clip here from him. As you can see, I'm at LAX in route to Milwaukee. I was just informed by the RNC that I'm not qualified for the debate. Why? Even though I exceeded the 40,000 individual donations required, uh, even though I signed the pledge to support the eventual nominee, uh, even though I submitted three polls where I was at least at 1%, I was informed that one of the polls is not eligible. It's the Rasmussen poll, even though it was the most accurate poll in predicting that Donald Trump would win in 2016. They say it is a Affiliated with Donald Trump and therefore uh, it is not eligible. And I said to Ronna McDaniel, the chairwoman of the RNC, it's not affiliated with me. She said any poll affiliated with any candidate is not eligible. And- so first of all, I'm going to let him continue speaking. First of all, Larry, you were in radio. You know that's not a good place to record a video. Uh, second of all, um, Rasmussen is not affiliated with Donald Trump. All right, I'll, I'll let you continue. No one told me that until just now. So we're filing an emergency injunction to get me up there. This is absolutely BS. One of the candidates, by the way, offered a $20 gift certificate for a $1 donation. That app- there were like six candidates that did that, just to clarify. Is okay. Another one offered a free, air quotes, country western uh, concert for a $1 donation. That apparently is okay. Another one offered a commission to prospective donors to get other prospective donors. That's Vivek, and that's a very common practice. That apparently is okay, but I did it the old-fashioned way, asking people to support me by going to LarryElder.com, and that is not okay. And now, all of a sudden, I'm not eligible. It is designed, in my opinion, to make sure that that Ron DeSantis is a nominee, anybody other than Trump. This is BS. I will see you in Milwaukee. Out. So that is a very powerful video because it explains from the candidate's perspective 
what is wrong with the RNC and what is wrong with the current establishment we have running the RNC. This debate should have been canceled the moment Trump said he won't show up. And he's been saying privately for weeks and publicly for weeks he will not show up to this debate. Should have canceled it the day he said he's not showing up. Because this becomes a debate, as I've said earlier in the program, for Secretary of Education, for Secretary of Transportation, for Secretary of of Housing and Urban Development, for Secretary of the Freedom Cities Trump wants to build. Right? This is not a debate for president because no one on that stage, mark my words, uh, August 23rd, 2023, year of our Lord, no one on that stage will be president of the United States at any point in their career. Ron DeSantis is not going to come back from this and become president in 2028. Sorry to tell you. Larry Elder, love the guy's radio show. You listen every night. Not going to be president. Perry Johnson, if he gets on that stage, not going to be president. Chris Christie would have to physically reconstruct the White House to get to the front door. He's never going to be president. Right? This is not a debate for president. Calling it a debate for president mocks the presidential process in the United States of America. So as soon as, and he's saying here, they're not even letting him on the stage because they don't approve the polls and they're associated with Donald Trump. Trump's not on the stage. It's not associated with Trump. Trump has not paid Rasmussen to do polls as far as I'm uh, aware. Even then, he is not on stage. He is not debating. The polls were not made to boost Trump in the polls. Trump had all the polls before the qualifications were announced. But if you're going to nitpick every single poll to get someone a little more MAGA, like Larry Elder, off the stage, you need to make sure that Asa Hutchinson, Doug Burgum, and Chris Christie, who did not sign the pledge that you are promising every candidate has to sign, saying, I will vote for Donald Trump, a.k.a. I will vote for the Republican nominee. You, if They did not sign that pledge. There's no public record of them signing that pledge. And if they did, they need to drop out and endorse Trump as they just did signing the pledge. So if they're not going to enforce Asa Hutchinson, Chris Christie, Doug Burgum not signing the pledge it says it's it's required to join the debates, then Perry Johnson, Larry Elder should be on that stage. They both signed the pledge. They both should be up there. Like I said, this isn't a serious debate. No one on that stage is ever going to be president. But the fact that it's happening under the guise of the RNC, under the guise that it is the presidential debate, Everyone on the Republican ticket running for president that reached 40,000 donors that received the polling requirements should be on that stage. The pledge is a stupid idea to begin with. You should not tell Chris Christie he needs to eventually support Donald Trump because, fun fact, he's not going to do it. Even if he signs that stupid pledge that means nothing, he's not going to do it. Running over time here, back after this on the program on the Red Future Radio Network with Lizzie Marbach here on The Conservative Crusader, one and only Ohio uh, Christian Firebrand. Joining us next. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. This is The Conservative Crusader. All right, so welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader. We are joined now by a fierce fighter in the uh, life movement here in Ohio. She is on the political side, the nonprofit side. She knows everything about Ohio politics. I think she's more of an expert on Ohio than I am at this point. Um, Her biblical postings on Twitter have received worldwide attention and media attention and everything else. Uh, Joining us today is Lizzie Marbach, friend of the program, uh, at Lizzie Marbach on Twitter. Lizzie, welcome back to the show. How are you? 
Josh, thank you so much for having me. And I am doing pretty well. It's definitely been a, a crazy week, but I can't complain. <laughs> it definitely has been just following it and covering it here on the show. Uh, so to clear the air, I did not introduce you as your former, t- uh, form- former title as uh, the communication director of Ohio Right to Life, but you're still a passionate anti-abortion activist here in the Ohio. And we'll get to the fight in November here shortly. But before we get there, you were involved in some major controversy on Twitter with a congressman from the state of Ohio. I'll let you explain what happened. (laughs) Yes, well, I made the terrible and bigoted statement that there is no hope for any of us outside of faith in Jesus Christ alone uh, because I'm a Christian and that's a core tenet of our faith. I I tweeted that out uh, last Tuesday, so a week ago. And to my shock, Congressman Miller responded saying that that was the most bigoted tweet that he had ever seen um, and that it is a threat to religious uh, liberty and that I needed to delete it. So, uh, yeah, I it, it kind of just went crazy from there and, and went viral at that point once the congressman responded. <laughs> well, of course it did because he's saying you're bigoted for saying a core tenet of your faith, which obviously isn't the case. Um, so you haven't interacted with him on Twitter, and if you have, it's been positive. Uh, you worked in the organization you did, uh, you, you were involved and actually endorsed him, Ohio Right to Life did, in his campaign last time. And now he's coming out of nowhere and attacking you. Uh, do you think there's an ulterior motive behind this in some way? Uh, do you think it was the congressman himself even writing these attacks? You know, that's a good question. I'm not completely sure. Like you said, every interaction that I've had with him has been positive. Um, his wife, Emily, was on the board at Ohio Right to Life. So we've always had polite interactions as well. I I can't say for sure who exactly wrote the tweet or, or what the background was. But uh, either way, it was it was just completely insane for any American to take such an innocuous tweet that is very common amongst Christianity. Probably every single person who went to a Christian church on uh, this past Sunday heard the same exact message. For So so for a conservative uh, congressman to get so offended by s- such a statement is really just worrying and troublesome. And I've sure you, I, I'm sure you've heard this already, but the fact he said, religious freedom applies to every religion. This is bigoted. Delete it in the same message is just kind of yeah. kind of con- contradictory and I think it's hilarious um and I'm glad that you're not kind of you you weren't kind of silenced by him for it and you you stood your guns um so Ohio Right to Life released a statement on Monday in which they said that your departure was not due to the exchange oh yeah you were fired from your job after this tweet like 2 days uh, I forgot I forgot that part of the story um but was this related were you expecting to leave Ohio Right to Life I mean I thought you were doing great work from what I heard you were doing great work so um, was this expected? Uh, so yes and and no. Um, I I agree that I wasn't fired completely because of the exchange with Max Miller. We had conversations. Um, my boss and I had conversations beforehand about me potentially leaving, just because I have a very different kind of communication uh, c- communication style. Uh, Ohio Right to Life for a long time has been known as more of the establishment pro-life organization. They're very much stuck in the old school conservative way where you never step on any toes, never upset anybody or offend anybody. And you just kind of toe the the party line to ensure that 
that you still are able to keep your political influence at the state house. Whereas I am, am definitely not of that vein. I think that conservatives need to be bold. I think that we need to recognize what time it is and that we have to just speak the truth plainly. And especially on the issue of abortion with abortion, we're talking about murder. We're talking about the unjust killing of innocent human lives. And there's no room to mince our words around that. We have to speak truth with that uh, subject specifically for the justice of the pre-born. And, and so we, we really just had a, a disagreement on communication style and what was appropriate. And it kind of just came to a head um, that Monday before I tweeted everything out. Um, and then on Thursday, so two days after the Miller tweet happened, my, my boss called me and, and said that the Miller tweet had become a distraction, but overall my, my social media use as a whole and my communication strategy as a whole is just incompatible with, with Ohio Right to Life and that uh, they had to let me go. Now, this is just something I came up with off the top of my head. Did they know your communication strategy before you were hired as communications director or is this, this new news to them? No, I, I, I was very uh, upfront when I was interviewing. And even in the, in the beginning, I, I let them know very quickly where I stood, what my communication style was, and uh, the, the, the kind of messaging that I wanted to put forth. I, I did clarify that from the beginning. I've, I've never made it a secret what I uh, think that, that we should be messaging. I've always been very transparent along the way. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and I'm glad that you're open about, you know, what your communication strategy is when you're going into a communications job. Lizzie Marbach's <laughs> on the phone with us here. Lizzie Marbach on Twitter, uh, L-I-Z-Z-I-E Marbach on Twitter. So getting news now, uh, it's actually sent to me. The American Accountability Foundation has filed an ethics complaint against Max Miller, the congressman you got in a spat with, obviously, uh, for his outrageous demand, this is their exact press release, that Lizzie Marbach delete a tweet that simply expressed her Christian faith. Um, so asking the House to condemn this tweet and everything else. Do you think this is necessary? You know, I I do, and and here's here's the reason why. I So the congressman did apologize to me, and I fully accept his apology on a, in a personal matter. I, held, I hold no animosity against him. I'd love to sit down, have dinner with the, with the uh, guy. Like, I, I, have, I have nothing personally against him. But when we're talking about a greater scale here, a congressman who holds elected office um, demanded that a Christian delete and censors their their religious beliefs. I do think that that deserves greater scrutiny and that people should look into it to ensure that this never happens again. Christianity is absolutely at, at risk as of late. There was just uh, a gentleman who got arrested outside of a um, LGBT event for simply reading the Bible. Christians are, are getting targeted left and right day by day. And for a conservative to step in and, and join that is very concerning. We we can't afford to uh, allow Christians to continue to go down this path where we're being persecuted just for simply sharing our faith, not not doing anything else. And so, I do think that it's something that should be taken seriously. And I I appreciate that they're making the ethics claim. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And that was my first thought when I heard the story. Is yes, someone has to do something about this in Congress. There's no way this this flies. Um, so really quickly here um, about Ohio Right to Life, and then we'll move on to just November. Um, the Centennial is the the uh, organization you went to for your uh, story about you getting fired, and they did a great job on that report. 
They're also reporting that an Ohio Right to Life board member, Max, or not Max, uh, Mike McGuire, has worked as a lobbyist against a bill that would end abortion in the state of Ohio. Um, I'm sure you know about this bill already. What's your reaction to this? And is this a, uh, is this a, uh, yeah, I can talk, I cannot talk. I'm sorry. <laughs> is this a surprise to you that this is even happening? Um, unfortunately, it's not a surprise. I knew that it was happening as it was taking place. Um, the, the reason why they're opposing the bill getting introduced is because they think that if we introduce any kind of legislation before the November ballot initiative, which we'll talk about later, um, they think that we're going to lose in November by trying to save babies' lives. But the, the problem with that political strategy is that there's real human lives that are on the line right now. There's babies that are being killed as I speak right now. And by saying, no, we had to wait until after November to bring forth any pro-life legislation, we're saying that the babies that are conceived in 2023 aren't worth protecting, that they're, they are worthy collateral damage in the campaign against November. And that's just wrong. I think that if we believe that abor uh, abortion is murder, then we should act accordingly. Um, and so to see that they're opposing and, and trying to kill a bill before it, it's even able to be introduced is really disappointing. And I think that it should make every supporter of Ohio Right to Life really ask the, the question of what kind of organization are they supporting? Are they supporting an organization that really wants to end abortion? Or are they supporting an organization that's just looking for political influence? And the bill was sponsored or written by End, End Abortion Ohio. So if they haven't offered you a job yet, they probably should because you're great at this. Um, <laughs> so, um, Well, thank you. So this November, the biggest fight is, is going to happen. We have abortion rights officially on the Ohio ballot where they're threatening the existence here. Give me just a second. Uh, but they're actually threatening. Sorry, I had a, another call coming through on the other line. Um, all right. Back to what I was saying. I apologize. Um, this November, we have abortion rights on the ballot. It's going to actually enshrine abortion in Ohio's Constitution if it passes. Obviously, issue one on August failed. I'm not sure why, if people thought it was because of abortion or whatnot. Um, how do we make sure this amendment, this uh, constitutional amendment, doesn't meet the same fate as issue one and actually go on the wrong side? Well, I think that we have to make sure that our voters aren't confused and that they know clearly what's at stake. This November, if the abortion lobby has their way, state-sanctioned murder will be enshrined into our Constitution, not into a, a piece of legislation that could be overturned, not a court decision, but into our Constitution, the document that's supposed to protect and uphold our most fundamental rights, beginning with the right to life. And now, if this passes, our Constitution will have murder enshrined in it. That is just completely insane. And I think that the only way that we can beat this is to speak the truth, tell Ohio voters what really is at stake and, and the pure radicalism and extremity uh, of what they're trying to bring into Ohio. This is on par with North Korea and China their kind of abortion policy where it's abortion through all nine months of pregnancy, zero restrictions. Um, it would also bring bring in the gender ideology. It would uh, enshrine sex change surgeries for minors as well as the hormone blockers like Lupron that we know sterilize children and are, are extremely dangerous for kids to take. Um, so it would, it would bring all of this into Ohio and enshrine it into our constitution, making it nearly impossible to ever overturn in the future. Um, so it's very, very serious, and we need all hands on deck. No Ohio voter can be apathetic about this. We have to stand up. And really quickly here, we have about 30 seconds left. 
The Ohio Secretary of State confirmed marijuana usage recreationally will be on the same ballot. Uh, I know this isn't one of your top issues, but will it make it harder to get the pro-life vote out, do you think? I, I think yes and no. I think that, unfortunately, marijuana obviously is going to bring out all the young men to vote and abortion is going to bring out all the young women to vote. So we just need to make sure that we're getting all of our people out to vote, all of the churches, all of the Christians and conservatives, that we can really come together on both of these issues and say no. And believe it or not, saying abortion is murder is not a losing strategy. Uh, Lizzie Marbach on the phone with us, former communications director of Ohio Right to Life, a great friend, a Christian firebrand, as the flyer says, as, we, as we've <laughs> discussed. Uh, thank you for joining us today. How can people find you? Uh, well, thank you for having me on, Josh. I always appreciate it. And you can find me on Twitter or now known as X at Lizzie Marbach, like you said, with an IE at the end. And I'm never going to stop calling it Twitter. <laughs> Lizzie, thank you for joining <laughs> us. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you uh, coming on. I'm sure if you haven't already landed on your feet, you will. Um, Ohio Right to Life is really missing a good one here. So uh, thanks for hopping on with us. And we hope to talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank you. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. Hey everyone, it's Joe P. Josh. We can only keep The Conservative Crusader podcast or or program that you're listening to right now on the air with your support. We have recently launched a Patreon program where you can support us here at Red Feature Radio for as little as $3 a month. You can find that at patreon.com slash gopjosh. You can also support the program at anchor.fm slash the conservative crusader for as much or as little as you'd like to give. This program will remain free and financial support is not required or expected, but anything to keep us on the air helps. Thank you, folks. And now, back to the conservative crusader. This is the Conservative Crusader. Welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader. Hope you enjoyed that um, that interview with Lizzie Marbach, uh, formerly of Ohio Right to Life, the great patriot standing up for her faith in the United States against the congressman trying to silence her. I'm very glad that she's so so strong with her beliefs, and I'm so glad she's willing to join us again. Listen, her favorite. Every time she's on, someone emails, "When's she going to be back?" So uh, yeah, we're we're so back. Um, yeah, so back. All right. So really quickly here, Trump mocks the, okay, really quickly here, before I actually go into the story, Trump's going to be arraigned tomorrow. He's going to post $200,000 of bail to be let out. That's a bad idea. Unironically, Donald Trump should not post bail. Refuse. See if they'll actually lock up Donald Trump. If they do. His polls skyrocket. People realize, and people hate persecution. People hate political persecution in particular. That's why the Hunter Biden story was such a non-starter up in, until lately. Because it what looked like political persecution against the current, albeit shouldn't be current, president. If we have a justice system and a, a courthouse and a police department, or a sheriff's department, whichever one it might be, that decides to arrest charge, book, and then put in jail a former president of the United States. That former president, who should be serving his second term right now, 
will skyrocket in the polls. Absolutely. 100% go up. Put them on the cot for 24 hours. See if the Secret Service lets that happen. First of all, I don't think it will. But if he actually refuses to post bail and goes in there, yeah, arrest me. Book me. Charge me. It will initially look like, oh, he's out of money, according to the left, which that'll blow over in no time. But what we will see is a president that is either actually in jail, which I doubt will happen, but we'll see where the regime goes. See how serious they are about putting Trump behind bars. And he can always post bail later. So, and Secret Service isn't going to let him get put in chains anyway. They're going to put him in uh, handcuffs. It's Secret Service. Their job is to protect the president. Their job isn't to enforce the law. Um, but he was put at $200,000 bail because he's a flight risk. Uh, Trump on Truth Social. The failed district attorney of Fulton County, Atlanta, Fanna Willis, and Fanna, Fanny Willis, insisted on a $200,000 bond for me. I assumed, therefore, that she thought I was a flight risk. I'd fly far away, maybe to Russia, 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 share a gold-domed suite with Vladimir, never be to be seen or heard from again. Would I be able to take my very understated airplane with a gold Trump affixed to it to see? Probably not. I'd be much better off flying commercial. I'm sure nobody would recognize me. God, I love, I love this guy. Oh my goodness, I love this guy. <laughs> I'm sure nobody would recognize me. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I haven't read that, that statement before today. And it's absolutely right. He's not a flight risk. He's not going to be thrown in jail. But he shouldn't post bail either. I mean, I'm sorry. If they put him in chains, bar him up, put him in jail, is there really a reason to even continue on in this process? If they're willing to put him in jail, throw him behind bars as a member of the regime, as the regime will do this, why are we still pretending these people actually care about our country? Still pretend they care about the results of elections. Because they're not going to enforce it. If Trump wins, they'll find more ballots. So why are we, as conservatives, going to continue on their phony process, giving them $200,000, to get Trump out of jail for him to go back in however many weeks and get that money back. Right? That's not what we're here to do. And I'm sorry, but if they're willing to throw a former president, whoever their stature is, in jail, this country isn't going to succeed. We're not going to have a country when I'm old enough to vote, even. So why are we trying to, to play this game? Give them the money. Why? We have a country to save. And playing around with this, writing the check for the bond and whatever else, is not the way to go about things. We have to take this seriously. It's the 45th president. And if they're willing to throw him in jail, it's over. It's so over. So why are we going to pay out and continue on? Um, quickly here, Ramaswamy, Vivek, was already a millionaire before he accepted Soros's award that he said he needed to pay for law school, folks. Ramaswamy made $2.2 million of income the same year he accepted the Soros scholarship to 
Get just get through law school. Um, ninety thousand dollar award from the Paul and Daisy Soros Fellowship for New Americans, which was founded by well Daisy and Paul Soros, the late older brother of liberal billionaire financer George Soros. Uh, he didn't have the money to afford Yale Law School, but he made two point two million dollars the ye- the same uh, year. So whatever that that that's Vivek's not going to be president. He's not going to be VP. I hate to say it. I don't really hate to say it. <laughs> Um, he he could have been senator from Ohio. He could have been a lot of things. He could have been in the running for vice president had he just done a nas- nationwide tour supporting Trump. But he decided to make it about himself, and now he will not have a political future. Sorry, dude. You brought it upon yourself. Um, So masks are coming back, so they say. Ah, CNN, our old friends. It may be time to break out the masks against COVID again, some experts say. If you're at high risk of serious illness or death from COVID-19, it's time to dust off those N95 masks and place them snugly over your nose and mouth to protect yourself from a recent uptick in the virus, according to a growing number of experts. No. No, don't don't wear the stupid masks. And if you go back to 2020, to the original conservative Josh show, if those are still out there publicly anywhere, and I sure hope they're not, but if you do, I was much more, yeah, we should probably do this, you know, slow the spread, you know, I was more relaxed on it when I was 14 years old, but then I saw how my childhood was taken, the future for a lot of the kids that I went to school with were were taken, they stopped sports programs, they stopped this and that over a virus that will never Kill a healthy young person. Never has. Look at the stats. Never has. And now they're trying to make us put the masks on again. Trying to make sure we we don't have another outbreak. There's universities, and I don't have a name off the top of my head, but I I heard it this morning uh, driving to work. There are universities. Oh, just mask up for 14 days. We just have 14 days. It'll slow the spread. Don't have to worry about it. Cases, Cases are dropped. We'll be fine. Are you kidding me? I I was sitting in the airport, which I don't normally do, but I was sitting there waiting to go to uh, go to Rev Revolution, and the person sitting next to me in the chair was like a young, probably in her twenties, uh, little lady there saying, "I should probably dust out my mask and put my mask on again because you know COVID's ticking up again, and I'm kind of scared of it." Took everything, everything, for me not to laugh. But this is a serious issue, and this is a serious thing that's going to spark again. They're going to bring back COVID because, guess what? Trump's winning the election. Trump's winning 2024 like he won 2020. And so unless they have a new variant, BA 2.86, they're not going to be able to stop him. Unless they have the mail-in ballots again and the everyday voting again and you can vote for six months up to the election and you can mail in your ballot and I try promise me if you vote for Trump it'll be counted I so promise you oh and what's this box of ballots oh look they're 100% for Biden just count them don't say a word where'd they come from who cares if we don't have that again we will have a different country and this is a perfect time to bring it back early because they saw how long the hysteria lasted last time and we can we can stop this. We can prevent this radical craziness. If even half the people 
that didn't comply last time. Yeah, we'll we'll be fine this time. We really will. And I mean, if everyone that wore a mask was willing to or got vaccinated at all was willing to say, "Yeah, yeah, we're not we're not doing this again." Everyone that got vaccinated just didn't wear a mask. Those of us that didn't, the smart ones, won't have to wear masks either. We'll just all not comply. Just don't listen to this craziness. And you know, we'll, we'll be fine as a country. Back after this on the Ohio segment, although I technically have two today. This is almost just an Ohio show at this point. I apologize for those listening nationally. But Ohio, as Ohio goes, so goes the nation. Back after this. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. This is the Conservative Crusader. Why are you at the Fox News debate tonight in Milwaukee? Well, you know, a lot of people have been asking me that. When you say there are people on stage who shouldn't be running for president, who do you mean? Whatever happened to Mike Pence? He's out there attacking you. What is that? Do you think Epstein killed himself sincerely? Do you think we're moving towards civil war? It's good to have you at Bedminster. It's very nice. I love it. You're saying they stole it from you last time. Why wouldn't they do the same this time? Oh, well, they'll try. They're going to be trying. Mitch McConnell was trying to get senators to impeach me. Crooked Joe Biden is so bad. He's the worst president in the history of our country. I don't think he's going to make it to the gate, but, you know, you never know. It started with protests against you, minute move to impeachment twice. Right. And now indictment. Are you worried that they're going to try and kill you? Why wouldn't they try and kill you, honestly? They're savage animals. They are people that are sick. So do you think it's possible that there's open conflict? I, I can say this. There's a level of passion that I've never seen. There's a level of hatred that I've never seen, and there's probably a bad combination. We're doing this interview, but we'll get bigger ratings using this crazy forum that you're using than probably the debate. So that is going to be massive. (laughs) That is the preview that looks like it's straight out of a movie theater. Maybe watching Sound of Freedom. Uh, Between President Trump and Tucker Carlson, where they are sitting down. 61,000 likes on Twitter. Uh, in an hour and a half, not even an hour and a half, 62,000. It's going up by thousands, not by tens or by ones, by going by thousands. That is going to be the most huge interview, huge, in TV history. Guaranteed. It's going to be huge. The debates are going to be irrelevant. Between the Trump-Tucker interview that everyone's going to be covering tomorrow and the Trump um, arraignment tomorrow, it's going to be huge. <laughs> I think Trump will come back to actually share out that interview. I mean, Tucker Carlson straight up asks him, did Jeffrey Epstein kill himself? I cannot wait to see this, and I'm going to have clips for you on Friday, uh, as well as clips of the Secretary of um, Commerce. I don't know if that's even a position. Uh, debate on Friday as well. Like I said uh, in the last segment, if you missed my interview with Lizzie Marbach, go back and listen on the podcast. The podcast is at gopjosh.com. That is gopjosh.com. No ads yet. I haven't read a single host read ad today. We are going to get in trouble, folks. Join Support the program for as little as $3 a month at our Patreon and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash gopjosh, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash gopjosh. And support the Red Future Radio Network by using code TSMS at blackoutcoffee.com. 
and use our Fiverr link. Fiverr is the world's largest marketplace for where both buyers and sellers have a digitally streamlined transactional platform at bit.ly slash GOP Josh Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R, F-I-V-E-R-R. All right. So really quickly here for the Ohio segment, we're going to hop off early. I used all my time with Lizzie earlier, which I'm completely fine with. She's a great conversation, as always. Governor Mike DeWine wants to remove politicians from the redistricting process, but hasn't endorsed a new proposal, which has been kept off the ballot today, which this article won't reflect because I gathered this a couple days ago. All right. Governor Mike DeWine says Ohio politicians should not draw maps for congressional and state house districts, but that doesn't mean he's endorsing a new constitutional amendment that could be on 2024's ballot. DeWine was on part of uh, part of the seven-member Ohio Redistricting Commission, which drew maps of the Ohio Supreme Court were repeatedly ruled violated anti-gerrymandering rules in the state constitution. DeWine voted for the maps despite acknowledging the process was flawed and gridlocked. Look, I don't think the governor should be on there. DeWine, a Republican, told reporters last week, a rhino. I don't think legislators should be on there. The system that we have today doesn't work for Ohio, DeWine said Monday. I'm in favor of making a change. Whether this is the right change or not, I don't know because I haven't really gone through it and studied it. DeWine's spokesperson, Dan Tierney, has, has reviewed it. He outlined several potential problems with the constitutional amendment, saying the proposal would prioritize Ohio's statewide voting preference over keeping cities and communities together. Traditionally, we've called that gerrymandering. So true. Will those proposals be a deal breaker for DeWine? Ultimately, the governor's goal is to ensure the cure isn't worse than the sickness, Tyranny said. Funny name for Governor Mike DeWine and Tyranny. Uh, Citizens Not Politicians spokesperson uh, Chris Davies said they agreed with DeWine's position on the current system is broken. Um, the proposal constitutional amendment is in the early stages of attempting to make the November 2024 ballot. Must collect more than 413,000 signatures. Um, so the reason that independent redistricting commissions suck is because it's not actually the people that are doing the redistricting. It's not. The redistricting is done by the left wing. Every time you hear, oh, independent, every time you hear, oh, nonpartisan, every time you hear, oh, this isn't a party line thing, it is most definitely always a party line thing. The League for Women's Voters, let, let's Google them. are they national? Do I have to explain them? Are they a national organization? Yeah, they're national. A League of Women's Voters is supposedly a nonpartisan grassroots organization working to protect... Oh, there goes a, a, a pop-up, thanks. Protect and expand voting rights to ensure everyone is represented. Another pop-up. I love this website. In our democracy, we empower voters and defend democracy through advocacy, education, and litigation. So pretty much they're far left-wingers. They are far left-wing radicals. And they will have at least one representative on the commission in Ohio. They will have at least one member. They ran redistricting last time because Maureen O'Connor, who is supposed to be a Republican, is a League of Women voter. She is one of these people, one of these rhinos, one of these people that don't actually matter. I'm seeing where their donation page takes you. Oh, it's a private donation page. It's not uh, Act Blue on their website. I'm just scrolling to their website while talking to you today. 
So if you are a Ohioan and someone comes up to you in the line while you're waiting to vote or comes up to you at a grocery store or comes up to you in a farmer's market and says, hey, I'd love if you'd sign this, sign, uh, sign this petition for me. Don't sign it. There's not a conservative issue going around they're collecting petitions for unless it's for a candidate. And you can ask them and say, hey, what's the petition, what's the petition for? And if they lie, that's on them. And you can probably report them to the SOS and get their signatures taken away. Um, but I wouldn't put this on the ballot. And I'm not trying to be, oh, well, I'm anti-people. I'm not really the most pro-democracy person. But I'm, I'm not pro-citizen redistricting for multiple reasons. Um, politicians control redistricting in New York. They control redistricting in California and Illinois. In the big blue strongholds that bring a hundred Democrats to the to the uh, I know it's not quite a hundred a hundred Democrats to the um, to the Congress, Republicans should control it in red strongholds that take seventy five to the Congress. Right, the reason they keep going around the the legislator going through the legislature for these issues is because we have a Republican state house because we are a Republican state. We have a conservative state house that does not want to abuse and change our system because they don't like the way it's being ran. So they go around the state house, go around the politicians, go around the way things are supposed to be done and permanently amend our constitution so we can never change it again. So we can never make and get rid of this through our uh, Ohio revised code again. I hate to tell you folks, but this is not a good proposal. And it is not good that so many times, so often, through our system in Ohio, we have had just, it's, it's unbelievable how many amendments we've had. It's, in, it's actually unbelievable. And the fact that we have Republicans and conservatives actually cheering this on and DeWine making somewhat of a case for it? No way. We have to stop. We really do. I'm tired of it. Um, Really quickly here, breaking as we are uh, ending the show here, Larry Elder makes a statement saying he is filing a complaint against the RNC uh, FEC. Let's, let's play the video. Hey, Eldorados, I gave the RNC until 2 o'clock local time I'm in Milwaukee to put me on their debate stage or else I'm filing a complaint with the Federal Election Commission. My lawyer, Craig Engel, used to be chair of the FEC. He was appointed by Ronald Reagan. He also is the former general counsel of the Republican uh, Senatorial Committee, and he argues that the rules setting down how a debate is to, be, is to be conducted was set forth by the FEC about 25 years ago. And they said an organization like the RNC can set forth whatever criteria they want, but once they do so, they have to objectively apply that criteria to everybody. They did not do that in my case. I met all their criteria, 40,000 individual donations, three national polls showing me at 1% or better. They rejected one of the national polls, the Rasmussen, claiming that it was affiliated with Donald Trump. I had no idea it was affiliated with Donald Trump. Furthermore, Rasmussen said, we have nothing to do with Donald Trump. Donald Trump didn't commission the poll. He didn't recommend the poll. He didn't even suggest the poll. And elders should be able to use our poll as one of the ones for his 
three that are necessary to qualify for the debate. So I have no idea why I'm not on that debate stage. My lawyer argues that to put, not put me on there is equivalent of the RNC and Fox News giving an in-kind contribution to the eight people who did make the debate to my detriment. And that in-kind contribution could be as valuable as $100 million fine against the RNC and $100 million fine against Fox News. I'm sorry I had to go there, but as of 2 o'clock uh, local time, we have filed this complaint with the FEC. I'm now going to watch the debate from my hotel room. I'll be doing a lot of media after the debate. Go to my website, LarryElder.com. Because and now he's going to ask for donations. So that's an update in that case. We're going to follow it for you on Friday. Maybe get Larry on. We'll work on it at least. Um, because he should be on that debate stage. If anyone's on that debate stage, it should be Larry. He's hit the three thresholds, three polls. Uh, he should be there. Just like Perry, uh, Perry Johnson should be there. And so we'll see. And they're going to be in there. They're going to be doing all the things with the FEC and everything and FCC and whatever else they have to do. Uh, and we will, uh, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes for the future of this country and for this um, this whole process. So it could seriously change things. All right, friends, we'll be back with you on Friday with your post-debate coverage. I encourage you to watch Tucker Carlson tonight. Don't watch the 2024 debate for Secretary of, um, Secretary of Education again, I guess. I ran out of names. Uh, We'll be back with you all on Friday here on the Red Future Radio Network. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay tuned. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. 